Welcome to Entrepreneur Mind Speak. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about money and how much money it takes to start a business. Uh, and I have Natalie here. Hi, my name is Natalie. I'm the uh, founder and creative director of Cloud Create Web Development, and I'm based here in Tampa. And I'm Lauren, I'm owner and creative director for Creme de Mint Design. We create branding and packaging for food, beauty, and supplement businesses. So today we're going to talk about how much money does it take to start a business? And one of the things I was, I, so I've, you know, I've started a business, Natalie, you've started a business. Um, we've worked with tons of entrepreneurs that have started businesses and I was, I was, I was analyzing my own business. And then I was also looking up online, like how much does it take to like, how much cash does it take? And I was reading that on average, it takes about $40,000 a year to, uh, to run a business. And it takes about um, 18 to $60,000 a year to start a business. So if you're starting like as a solopreneur, um, that'll be, you know, closer to like the $18,000. And if you're, you know, if you're hiring some employees, that'll be closer to like $60,000. This was specifically research from Shopify and they mostly do product businesses, which is what we're focusing on in this conversation. Yeah. And that's e-commerce as well. So specifically people sometimes have this idea that e-commerce, so you can start that on a shoestring budget, which it's not impossible, but you would be amazed how fast the costs uh, stack up also for e-commerce, especially these days with how expensive everything is. Yeah, absolutely. And a few years back, my mom and I, we started our own um, makeup line. And um, I think the first year it was about 25,000. And that was including the fact that I was doing all of the design. Um, so, you know, if we had to pay for the design, it probably would have been closer to 40,000 for us. Totally, totally. And um, especially if you are a solopreneur, and that's something that we can probably um, talk about a little bit more, Lauren, since we probably both have, you know, interesting experience in regards to how we started our businesses. Yeah, but, let's talk about that. Yeah, because it's not like you jump in. Um, so we have service-based businesses, but it's the same with product-based businesses in that you're not going to start immediately just earning money right off the bat. And um, the good thing is with services, um, you do have a little bit of leverage in that way because you're not necessarily buying inventory like you do with um, product-based businesses, but you are then immediately having to spend your time on whatever that is. So it's, it's a very kind of a balance that you need to have um, and a bit of a cushion you need to have because the more that you can give yourself that space to really set up your business well and do the legal things that you need to do, um, have the inventory or the time available in order to carry everything out, you're going to need that. And you're going to be very happy with that, um, that you had a little bit of cushion when you actually get started in the business, because you're not necessarily, you know, you might have a million dollar e-commerce idea and it may take you two or three years to actually hit those kinds of numbers. And even then you're dealing with a fraction of the cost that's actually going into your pocket. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Forbes said something to the effect that it's, uh, I think, like three to four years before um, businesses reach profitability. So wow. um, yeah, yeah. And that most businesses don't make any profit their first year in business. 
So yeah. Yeah. That's like and a guess- scary idea. It's like kind of amazing yeah. that anyone has businesses. And yet, like, especially in the United States, mm. there's so many businesses and it's so encouraged, which is honestly great, but it is scary. Yeah, it's really scary because, um, you know, about 50% of small businesses fail in the first year and 95 fail within the first five years, according to the SBA. That is a significant amount. (laughs) Oh my God, that's amazing. Well, we're like a country of like warriors because I think that there's more businesses created here than anywhere else. Like I, I would be willing to bet on that. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And I think like, People think that maybe it has to happen one specific way. And I think for both you and me, um, you know, it wasn't one direct path. So for me, like I started having clients, um, I started actually freelancing first. So I would go into businesses and freelance, like I freelanced at Benihana at their corporate mm-hmm. office. I freelanced um, for a few other um, agencies. And, and then I started getting my own clients Um, I started a a group um, for entrepreneurs that were starting their own product lines and I started getting my own clients and started doing that. And, um, and I tried to, you know, just do that full time, but I ended up at one point in time, I ended up um, taking a full-time job and then doing it on the side until I built up clients. So it's kind of like, it's, it's taken some time to, figure it out and also to get the revenue that I wanted. And part of it, I think is, and I think it's like this for a lot of people is that I didn't really, I didn't know anything about starting a business. I didn't know like what it took. I didn't know like how to create the infrastructure for my business, how to create, you know, there were a lot of pieces that I just hadn't learned yet. You know, I didn't know if I should spend my time on social media or networking events or um, SEO or um, email marketing. Like it was hard for me to figure that stuff out in the beginning and through time and meeting other entrepreneurs, I learned those things and I continue to learn every day. But I think that's part of why, you know, for me, it took some time and why, um, why I'm always trying to coach entrepreneurs that come to me um, with the information that I learned, the things that I've learned, I, and the things I've seen work. I'm like, okay, this, this is a good strategy to go because you don't want to waste your time doing this other stuff when you could be focusing over here and more likely to succeed that way. I think that is like the best point you could possibly bring up because that's exactly what I think 90% of entrepreneurs um, that start a business in one way or another, doesn't matter what kind of business, that's exactly what they run into. Because most people, they start a business not because they're natural born entrepreneurs. Some people are that way where they just have a mind for business and they know the various different departments and they know what a business needs to comprise of and they they have a mind for that. But most people that start businesses are not in that category. Most people, for example, when I, um, you know, have some kind of product-based business and they have some, you know, beautiful item or interesting item that they want to sell, this is something that came out of their mind that they're specifically interested in and they wanted to make a product to facilitate that interest. And they might be complete experts in that area 
for example, like a recent uh, client that had, you know, they made cookies, they made fantastic cookies, and they knew everything about cookies and everything about the cookie industry and everything about manufacturing and their factory and all these things. But they didn't know about marketing. They didn't know about like, okay, how many emails do you send out? How do you set up your website so that it actually converts? How do you set up any funnels you're doing? How do you, you know, do even the accounting side? Like all of the parts that fit into a business that actually make it a business versus just something that you're doing as a hobby. Um, those are things that you have to learn and you need to take that into account when you're also thinking about financially going into um a space and you're basically no matter how expert you are you're going into the deep end and you're gonna have to swim and you're gonna have to make it all go um but you don't know what you don't know yet until you actually jump in yeah it's kind of amazing how much you don't know until you jump in and i found that even though i had my design business um, for several years, when I did a product business, create a project business with my mom, um, there were a bunch of things that I didn't know until I was doing that. And then I ran across them and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I didn't consider this. I didn't consider that. I, there were just things that until you're in it, you don't really know it as well as you think you do sometimes. Totally, so, totally. Um, yeah. And like before I had my own design business, I worked for a large corporation and in the large corporation, I was just doing one little piece of the puzzle, which I knew yeah. very, very well. But there are all these other pieces that when you're working with small businesses, um, they, they struggle with. Yes. And they'll ask you for help with. So um, yeah, it's, it's something I've learned over the years for sure. And like I said, still learning. Um, but I, I was reading recently that the most common um, reason small businesses fail are um, capital, like lack of funding, yeah. uh, retaining an adequate uh, management team, uh, uh, an infrastructure, like a faulty infrastructure or business model, and unsuccessful marketing initiatives. So, wow. Yeah. Oh my God. That just reminds me of um, the, the unsuccessful business model that you mentioned. I think that it's very an interesting subject right now because it really also depends when you're doing these kinds of business models and what's going to work depending on the time. For example, in the time where the interest rates were very, very low, doing thing business models where you're spending an absorbent amount in marketing, um, so you're selling at a little bit of a loss because you're just getting your product out there. That was okay because borrowing money was so cheap. So you could borrow the money for almost nothing and then just pay it back over time as the company became profitable. But that kind of business model is probably not going to work as well going into the future. Companies really have to think with like, okay, how do I get my business profitable as fast as humanly possible? Um, because the infinite supply of money is just like, I mean, it's still pretty infinite probably, but it's a little bit less infinite than it was. I was wondering like, how do people fund their businesses? Because I often get asked that question, like, um, you know, someone will ask me like, do you know an angel investor? Do you know a venture capitalist? Like they ask me these type of questions. Um, most of the people, 66% of the people, they get it through personal savings, like their own oh, money. So, you know, maybe they're, they have a full-time job and they're helping finance their business through that way, or um, they may get 
financial support from friends or family. Right. Um, that's about 23% of people do that. Um, 21% of people get personal loans, which is not, not a lot, you know, people are using their own savings. Um, and lastly, um, reinvesting sales revenue, that's about 30%. Having that like, um, foresight and thinking about this stuff, especially with all these numbers you're talking about, I think is really important because I bet that a lot of these, um, people that are funding it with their own savings and funding it. And I know this even happened to me on occasion, um, you know, funding it through savings and stuff, or or even taking out loans and, and things like that. I feel like that's often for things that they didn't expect ahead of time, or, um, you know, certain bills that came up or certain expenses that they weren't foreseeing. And all of a sudden, they're in the situation where they have this business, they need to keep it going. Okay, cool. Well, what else are you going to do? I guess we'll pull it out of savings, or I guess we'll pull it out of a loan or whatever. Um, So it's not necessarily bad, but it's definitely good to think with like, if you're starting a business, know that there's going to be money going into it, even if it seems like there wouldn't be, even if you think you have a strategy worked out where, you know, you won't need too much capital. um, It's still a good idea to know that, okay, you have this little cushion or whatever, and it's going to be okay if you need to use it. Yeah. So when I had my product business with my mom, we did get a loan. So we had some of our own personal money. And then on top of it, we got a personal loan through the business. Right. Um, And that was uh, partly through the bank and partly through SBA, which was great. And we got a a really good rate, but um, it was one of those type of loans that if you don't pay it back, they can come and garnish your wages. They can come. Yeah. And, I mean, there's all sorts. I've, I've, I've read all sorts of horror stories. So you 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 have to pay it back. Yes. <laughs> you know, you can't just do bankruptcy, claim bankruptcy or something. Wow, like that. that's interesting. That so getting loans is great, but it's really tricky because you, you know, you do have to, you do have to pay it back. And so we did some stuff on, we had uh, a line of credit that was our loan. And then we also had our credit cards as well. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's definitely, it's challenging and, um, figuring out all the expenses, especially, you know, for small businesses, like they don't always, um, realize like what types of costs they're going to run into. So it's really important to, um, create like a, a spreadsheet or something that where you have your ongoing costs and you have your startup costs and you add all of that up and look online, um, to see what your business is and see if there might be some, um, costs that you might have forgotten. So you Mm -hmm. make sure you get everything in there. Uh, a lot of people, that a lot of people miss things like shipping costs and the amount of like, one of the things that happens a lot these days is people return items yes. items. And, you know, you don't expect like, okay, they're, they're going to return it. You're going to have to pay for the return shipping, or you can have your client, you can have your um, customer pay for it, but you know, it's, it can get tricky. Like how much do you want to charge the customer? Because if they buy your product and they are not like happy with it, you want to be able to refund their money if they're not happy, right? right. Then you're having them ship it back. Um, you probably can't use that product and a product again, depending on what it is. And 
And, um, and so you have these damaged and returned items and shipping fees. And before you know it, like that's really, it's, it adds up so much, especially All of a sudden your profit margin yeah. is gone. Like it can be, you can be dealing with profit margin as small often in product-based businesses that having an additional shipping fee or a restocking fee or whatever um, can wipe that out. So that's definitely, that's such a good point. People need to be really aware of what to do with returns. Um, and, and you might have to be that company, especially in the beginning that charges people to, to send the products back because that can be an issue for sure. Yeah. But I think there's also hesitation for new customers to buy from you if they feel True. Like difficult. So it's, you know, it, it's kind of tricky and I think the other area that people don't always think about is like, say that you're creating a new product and you have to do product testing. So if you want like a specific type of packaging and say that your manufacturer hasn't tested that product inside, like say, for example, it's a skincare product and they haven't tested it inside of that container, you're going to have to do some, pro you're going to have to test it and make sure that there's not going to be any issues because if there is, then you could also start having um, returns there as well. So it can, you know, the bills can really rack up quickly if you're not careful about these things. Yeah. And I think that as like a solution to all of this, because obviously like this whole country, in my opinion, is based on entrepreneurship and it's based on people taking these risks. And I, I honestly, that's why I even stayed in the United States, having moved here from the Netherlands was because of the entrepreneurial spirit that people have um, and how to kind of offset the risk that people run into when they're when they're creating a business. I believe, and I've seen this work very successfully, is just to make sure, like take each stage of the business as its own stage and make sure that you really test everything, like you're saying, um, really well in all the stages. So for example, you get an idea, you have a bright idea for some new product, um, test it first, maybe call some friends, maybe call some acquaintances and just talk about the idea as the first thing, see how it gets, you know, um, how other people respond to it. Does it sound interesting? Does it sound like something they're willing to buy? Okay, cool. It sounds like something they're willing to buy, maybe have a prototype made. And like, you know, you kind of like inch your way each, every, every stage and make sure that you have that product market fit by the time that you're actually launching an e-commerce store and you're fully wanting to distribute the product out into the world. Because um, if you do those stages, you're going to be a lot more confident by the time you have your real product that you're willing to invest in the inventory on and you're willing to invest in the marketing on. And you know, like it's no doubt that it's going to succeed. Even if you have to, you know, change around the marketing and you change your messaging and your wording or whatever, if you know your product is really, really good and you have that confidence, that will make it so much easier um, in order to push through those barriers. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that, you know, addressing a pain point, um, a consumer pain point um, is, is a key way to do that. Um, a lot of times um, entrepreneurs, they're, they're starting a product line because they had some pain point or they had a passion for something specific, but oftentimes it's like a pain point. They had a pain point and they, they thought, well, let me try to find this in the market. They couldn't find it in the market. So they're like, I'm going to create it. Yes. So 
If you can see that other people are also struggling with this same pain point, then you probably have like a really good niche. And having a niche is so important for profitability because if if you have a niche, you'll be able to get dedicated customers right. to buy your product because you're speaking to that specific demographic. Right. Yeah. And you want to make sure to, you know, research all of that really well. You don't want to come up with a product and, and want to charge $50 for it. And you find not on Amazon, they're selling the exact same thing for $10 and you have no differentiating factor, you know, things like this is all stuff that you really want to pay attention to. Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely doing your competitive research is key to um, a successful product. One of the things I've seen um, many product businesses do, especially food businesses, is that they test it out at, at like a little farmer's market. And right, yes. then you can have like people trying it. You can see their reaction. You can tweak it. You can see like, okay, is this something that people actually want? And mm-hmm. how are they willing to pay? And understanding that market, that benchmark, that market, what like what the market will hold. Yeah. Um, that's super important. Now, there's a, another piece that I think sometimes entrepreneurs don't think about is it also depends on how it's presented. So mm-hmm. if you have a product that's presented in one way, visually, people may be less willing to buy that product at a premium price than if it's designed in another way. And, um, and that's where, you know, that's where we come in with package design is to, to help with that. So I think it's important to make sure that you're making a product that people want, but then also keep in mind that um, if you're targeting a specific consumer, you want to make sure that that consumer is being reached through the communication of your packaging. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And the messaging of the product and the positioning of the product. Um, So the product is really the first step to make sure you have a good product. And then it's the next thing of like, okay, how do you, how do you imbue this with the life that you want it to have in order for it to reach the right people that are also going to be willing to pay the right price for it? Um, So it's really true. It's like a whole slew of various different problems that you have to look at and be willing to solve. And oh my God, I feel like if, if people would know to look at this roadmap before starting, but start immediately, but just know that this roadmap exists, that would already save so much trouble for many businesses that are just jumping out there ready to go. And they might accidentally be jumping in the wrong direction or doing it in the wrong order um, and therefore having more trouble than they expect. Yeah, you definitely want to start with the end in mind. So <laughs> you want to have an idea of like, okay, this is this is the plan. This is what I'm looking to do. You know, organize like what what you want for your business, both financially, um, what you want your life to look like with the business. You want to take everything into account and even thinking about like how you're going to exit your business. Um, And that's kind of a weird thing to think about when you're first starting your business, but you don't want to end up in a situation where you have this massive line of credit that you have to pay back and you can't pay it back. And then your house is on the line or something like that. So you want to think about, okay, like what, what's my, what's my exit strategy um, if things go right? And what's my exit strategy if things go wrong? 
Um, oh, there was one story of this lady. She actually ended up on Shark Tank. That's just how I saw this. But it was a woman, I believe she was selling cookies also. So she, And it was like a homemade recipe that she really loved and they were really good. And um, she was one of those that ended up walking out of Shark Tank without any deal um, because she had gone massively into debt. Like this was a woman that had been making a lot of money at a previous job, um, had invested, I think, in the end, $2 million between all her savings, her 401k, and her home, she had like a $400,000 home and she took all the equity out of it and put it into this business to the point where the margins she was making on these cookie sales were never going to be enough. Like the, the timeline in order for that business to become profitable was so long. And this was a woman that was already older um, that sh she was going to have to make a serious pivot and come up with some insanely creative way of like selling a record amount of cookies in order to ever get out of that hole. And in order for any investor to ever be willing to take on that business or be a part of that business. And it was kind of heartbreaking because she really just put everything into this thing. And that willingness to put everything in ended up being a liability because instead of finding other ways of getting the product out without having to spend more money on it and like, you know, having that kind of like entrepreneurial problem solving mindset, she was just dumping more and more money in. And unfortunately that led her business to have a lot of struggles um, for that. And I don't know where they ended up now. Hopefully they came up with some creative solution, but um, I know that that would have been really hard to get out of. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, yeah. I think, I think that remaining flexible and being willing to pivot mm -hmm. is so important. And yeah. if you see like one strategy is working, maybe you can continue with that strategy. If you see that another strategy isn't working, maybe pull back and come up with a different strategy. Like in my business, I have a few different strategies working at the same time. So I have email marketing strategy, which is helping um, to retain customers. Um, I have my networking strategy, you know, through um, different like uh, groups that I'm running, approaching it from different ways. Um, so I think the same thing with a product business, um, you want to approach it in different ways. You want to work with influencers, you want to do little pop-up shows or, or pop-up um, parties or events of some sort. You want to, you want to see all the different avenues and maybe there's an avenue that you've thought of that somebody else hasn't. Maybe you're partnering with a different type of business and you're creating like this new excitement for both businesses by partnering with that business. So coming up with these different creative strategies can help you with that um, cash, cash flow. Totally, totally. I, that, I think creativity is like the perfect word in that because it's just like constantly creating on 
your business rather than having a business and just trying to roll with one thing that might work in the beginning. I see a lot of um, in our industry, for example, in designers and developers, how you got a client, your first ever client does not mean that that's the best way to get a client and that you're going to keep getting clients like that forever. And there was one, um, one designer actually who became a very successful product designer. He said something that I thought was funny. He said, said, um, you know, when you were a kid, you were given pocket money uh, by your parents. That doesn't mean that like everyone in the world is going to give you pocket money and you're just going to like make a ton of money that way. You need to solidify any kind of lines that you have that bring income and then keep adding and keep trying. And that's how you'll expand. And that applies to service businesses, but also definitely to product-based businesses, just because you have your Facebook ads are working really well one month. That doesn't mean that you can completely not do, you know, your organic social media or leave your website um, unchanged or whatever. You need to continuously create on new avenues. Yeah, I think it's continuously create on new avenues and diversify to some degree, not to the point where you can't manage it, but yeah. having some diversification is always a great financial strategy. I hope that this left people more inspired and more educated to create their businesses, not scared to start one, definitely start whatever you're going to start, but just know these things so that you can be prepared. I think that wraps up <laughs> our session today and we look forward to seeing you in our next episode. Next week, we're going to be talking about uh, money mindset. So stay tuned. <laughs>